0: The imposter syndrome, I would say, is driven by three primary things inadequacy, insecurity, and, and insignificance. And it's those three elements that are that are lodged in our in our mind and in our emotional makeup, in our kind of a programming that we're holding at that time.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of People at Work. It's Dustin and I'll be your host for today's episode. So as always, People at Work is brought to you by Jostle. At Jostle, our goal really is to help companies connect, communicate, and actually feel a part of their culture, especially when they're remote or transitioning to different workspaces in this world we're in now. So on today's episode, I'll be chatting with Mike Kitko, who is an executive coach, speaker, and author. And today we'll be talking about something that probably all of us have felt before and are familiar with, and that's imposter syndrome. So Mike, welcome to People at Work. Thank you for joining me.
0: Hey Dustin, thanks for having me here, man. I really appreciate it, and I'm I'm excited to uh just show up and empower and just just get right to work.
1: Nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Imposter syndrome is something like I've dealt with. I I'd be surprised if anyone hasn't dealt with it at some point in their career. Yeah. So it's it's super relevant. And I'd love to maybe hear a bit of your story and your background and why you're so passionate about this topic.
0: Yeah. So I you know I grew up um, we're East Coasters. Not that that's relevant, but I just wanted to get that out there and represent right. So we live. <laughs> outside of St. Louis today, St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, I, I. I joined the Marine Corps. I was I wasn't a great student in high school, and I didn't have a whole lot going on. So I joined the Marine Corps, and and in the Marine Corps, I, I ascended the ranks pretty quickly and, and got promoted above my peers. And and when I, you know, when I, as I was as I was getting promoted, more authority and responsibility got put on my shoulders. I looked around and saying, you know what? They're gonna figure out I'm not that good. So, yeah. so I got out of the Marine Corps and I joined. I basically did the same thing, the same career field that I did in the Marine Corps in, in, the, in, the, in the world, in the, in the real world. And uh, so I started getting promoted again And there's always like, whenever I'm in a conference room and and a question's asked, people look at me. And it's always been something that's happened ever since I was in the Marine Corps. And I started getting promoted and I started getting more responsibility and and authority heaped on me. And as I'm getting promoted, I'm getting calls from around the country and I'm getting recruited. We moved from Maryland out to Portland, Oregon for a career move, you know, Portland, Oregon to St. Louis for a career move. And I'm getting calls and I'm doing none of this by design. I'm doing, it's all just happenstance. And I just kept saying yes to these offers, but every time I would start to be feel successful, I would say I gotta, I gotta get out of here before anybody figures out that I'm not really that good. And in one of my businesses, it was a $65 million manufacturing plant. I built a world-class team. It was a turnaround, so it was a, it was a, a, an asset that was undervalued or going down a tank. Stanley Black and Decker company, and I. I eliminated some of the leadership team, recruited leaders, built that team, built a completely new culture. And then when that business was thriving, I'm like, holy crap, I got to get out of here because it's all about the fall apart. So there was always this air of of inadequacy in me, right? That it it just wasn't, I wasn't good enough. And, And it was all just happening without me. And none of it, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't driving anything. I wasn't responsible for the positive results that were happening. And uh, finally, (laughs) we got recruited to St. Louis and I took a job that I really wasn't qualified for at all. And my family was in turmoil. I was in turmoil, I wasn't qualified for this position. I I played imposter and pretend just like I always had. I got fired from that position. I got another position five months later I took that position. Again, the toxicity at home increased, the toxicity in my body and in my imposter syndrome increased, and I became a 300-pound suicidal alcoholic, and I got fired from that job. and That's when I started the, the process of rebuilding and understanding why I had always not felt adequate and why I put myself in positions that I wasn't suited for, that really I didn't want to be in. Uh, and it all came down to the imposter syndrome that I always af- was afraid that everything was going to fall apart. So it did so that I could rebuild it in a proper way.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's it's a really interesting journey where you got to where you're now because things obviously seem yeah. much better. Life is going good. So how, like, how did you dig yourself out of that and kind of get over the imposter syndrome? Sure.
0: So create intentional time for myself <laughs> and for exploration into, into what's happening in here. Mm -hmm. Right, the imposter syndrome. Just like any, you know, and the imposter syndrome. I'll I'll just let me unpack this a little bit. The imposter syndrome, I would say, is driven by three primary things: inadequacy, insecurity, and, and insignificance. And it's those three elements that are that are lodged in our in our mind and in our emotional makeup, in our kind of a programming that we're holding at that time. And we run from those things and we try to build a life around them. and We try to escape them. And I did it through, I escaped through alcohol and I escaped through trying to make more money to overcome the inadequacy. And these feelings that were in me, these, the inadequacy and security and significance Felt like I didn't matter, right? That's why I never took responsibility for results. Uh, these conditions that are in our bodies and in our minds and our emotional makeup—they'll—they'll uh, they'll run us into the grave. They'll they'll certainly run us bankrupt uh, emotionally, physically, mentally, health, you know, in our health, in our our marriage. And when you turn inward and you start to understand why this exists, why you feel insecure, insignificant, inadequate, when you understand that there's probably some trauma that happened in your life, there's probably some events that you learned from that you've probably been running from your whole life. And you're trying to cover those up with external results, or external circumstances or you're trying to build a life around the trauma instead of looking inside and and starting to heal the trauma. And that's what I did, Dustin. That's what you know, I I when I I got terminated from that second position, I started looking inside, doing some deep physical, mental, and emotional healing work, understanding that, you know, some of the trauma that from my childhood, molestation, abandonment, neglect, right? Abuse. All this stuff was adding to all the pain that I felt that I was trying to run from, from, you know, from coast to coast and all over the, all over the country and, and, and ascending through leadership and more authority. And I felt that at some point, if I owned enough stuff, if I had enough money, if I looked important enough, I'd start to feel it. And that's not the case. You got to work from inside out. And that process of rebirth happened four years ago. And it, you know, ever since life has been completely different and I'm no longer doing things that I hate going places that I don't want to go working for people. I don't want to go, I don't want to work for, I get to live life. I get to live life. I don't have to live a life that anyone else designed for me.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think I can feel that coming from you as you speak, right? Like you're happy, you're in a good place and you put yourself there. So that's, that's awesome. Like, I'm really glad to see that.
0: Yeah, look, I just came from just before I jumped on here, took about a 15 minute, you know, break, but I had a, uh, a business consulting meeting today and started yep. at nine and, and it went until noon and I was with a business leadership team and I was in my zone of genius. Yep. So first of all, I'm, I'm making a whole lot more money than I ever made in corporate, but I'm showing up in my genius to help that leadership team become more powerful as human beings so that they can form a more powerful team and run a more powerful business. That's what I'm, that's what I'm gifted at. And that's what I'm designed to do. I don't have to run a and L for someone else. I don't have to run. I don't have to organizationally develop for someone else. I don't have to work when I don't want to, and I don't have to go where I don't want to go. So it's, it's living life on my terms instead of living life to somebody else's schedule.
1: Yeah, and I think there's, especially in North America, probably in most places, but there's that societal pressure from, from two sides, right? There's the climb up the corporate ladder, amass all these things, this means you're successful. And also from the, this constant focus on the what. Like, what do you do, not why you do it. Exactly. And focusing on that why, like, it's hard to stop, take a breath, mm-hmm. sit, and actually have that self-awareness. So do you have any tips on maybe what people should do or how they could take that time that they really need.
0: You know, I mean, it's, it's so cliche, Dustin, and you know, yeah, your morning creates your day. So if you, think, if you really think about that, and, and, and it's become cliche, and there's so many books and so much guidance and wisdom about it, but it's really taking that time in the morning to get right in your body, to get right in your mind, to get right in your mo- emotions, to make sure that you're putting yourself first. You're, you're, you are significant. We are significant, each of us. We're equally valuable across, you know, 7.7 billion people. And we're the most important person in our own life. And sometimes we make our lives about our family. We make lives about our work. But really, we are the most important person. We're the, our most important asset in our life. So spending time, a couple hours in the morning, really connecting powerfully with yourself. And then throughout the day, making sure that you're taking time to recollect yourself, to not get off track and not, not allow yourself to continue to get off track. And I mean, I saw a speaker one time say, I've decided to never ever do something I don't wanna do ever again. And I thought that was like, holy crap, what an obtuse thought. But when you literally make a decision that I'm going to make decisions only for things that I get to do, like that I would look, you know, look forward to and get excited to do and say no to the rest of it, you can really, I mean, that is possible. You, you, can, you can live that kind of life. You just really have to be committed to your own happiness instead of what somebody else wants for you
1: yeah and i think that ties into a common theme that you have throughout your book right so at the end every every chapter you have the are you showing up for yourself question are you focusing on yourself so i'm curious like you how, how do you tie that into the workplace and maybe what are some of the steps someone can take in their job if maybe they're not happy and they feel like they are just faking it till they make it
0: so that one of those corporate moves that i made what happened was they were looking for this position for a long time. It was an operations manager of a $350 million plant. And they were looking for this position. This was like this close to the general manager who who ran the entire plant. They were looking for this position for a long time. And they, frankly, they were kind of like, they wanted to get someone in that position. Yep. And when they started recruiting me, it, the answer for them was Yes now it was just a matter if they could if they could get me to say yes as well so they threw a lot of money at me they threw a lot of benefits at me they threw a lot at me to make it really hard for me to say no mm-hmm. and they had me at that that number <laughs> and all the zeros behind the comma right or in front of the comma they they literally had me before they even had to ask and I was not equipped. That was not my zone. It wasn't something I was I was interested in doing, but the money and the benefits and and where what how that was going to look on my resume was really appealing. So it's it's really understanding before you make that next move that it's something that you get to do instead of something that you have to do and it has to come from a place of your genius, not from not from something, you know, out of, out of scarcity, let's just say scarcity, or well, maybe I'll be good at it. Find something that, you know, at least you're interested in so that you can run at it and, and get excited to learn. it. So, so it's, you know, putting yourself first, making sure that you're not putting yourself in places that are depleting you as a human being, your energy, your, your, you know, demotivating you so you don't want to give effort, making sure that you're doing things that you know are in your best interest instead of, like I said, for me, it was about the family and and our livelihood and the bank account and how many times we could go on vacation with the, with the, the benefits that we were getting. It's really about making sure that I'm living in a aligned life for me.
1: Yeah. And so that can be really hard because as we're brought up, we are told fake it till you make it like you have to have a little bit of suffering to get to success so people kind of think like i and it's true in a certain extent you do often have to start from the bottom and work your way up but people Mm -hmm. i think will maybe put up with some of that stuff and even though they don't like it and they realize maybe this isn't the right thing for me because they think they have to to get there right
0: i'm not sure if if you need to suffer in order to be successful Mm -hmm. i don't i don't personally believe that right i think talent Effort, excitement, yep. uh, self-worth, self-value, making sure you know your own personal authority, I think those win in in the in the professional game. And when when you show up, regardless if it's an entry-level position, right? If you show up in those elements in an entry-level position and you're not faking it, right? If you show up in an an entry-level position with confidence, courage, and clarity of who you are, you're going to ascend because most people lack those things. Right. Most people are putting themselves in positions that they don't belong or that they, you know, they're there for the wrong reasons. And you'll have a competitive advantage. And I don't know if there's suffering involved in that. Maybe you're doing work that you don't love, but then it comes, it comes a matter of finding, finding how to love that thing. Right. Yeah. Instead of suffering until the next level. Because if you're not happy, if listen, a lot of people think money are going to make make you happy. But if you're not happy with zero, when you have one, you'll want to. If you're not happy in one level of a company, when you get to the next level, you're going to be equally as miserable. There's no joy later. If you're not happy now, you're not going to be happy later because it's really about finding that lever inside of you.
1: Yeah, and I think especially now, so the the current situation of the world and a lot of people are having to reassess things or even start from scratch and... I think a lot of people are starting to really focus on that. Why a bit more and realizing, Hey, I want more time with my family or Hey, just working on hard problems with smart people. That's my thing. That's what I want to do. Right. So I'm curious how the world's going to be after we come out of this, like how different it's going to be for everyone.
0: Well, I hope there's a bunch of, I mean, I know the, the folks that I work with, you know, I typically work with people that are going through some, some kind of an identity crisis anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, this is this, you know, COVID-19 is a big worldwide identity crisis
1: mm-hmm.
0: because because we've got and as, as a as a world we've got a new identity we've got to figure out who we are and I use this line a lot you know we've all heard it figure out who you want to be when you grow up we've got to figure out this new paradigm and what it's going to look like in 10 years we get to figure that out now and it's exciting identity crisis you know midlife crisis when I was you know I was 43 when my life collapsed That's not by chance. You get to the, you get to the mid pole of your life and you hate what you're doing and you're in a wrong place, your, your body, your mind, and your emotions, they'll, they'll tell you, they'll get you where they'll, they'll, they'll do everything they can to get you where you need to be, right? Where you want to be, where you get to be. And sometimes you can fight it, but it's just going to get worse from there. We're in that place as a world. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in the midst of an identity crisis and it's really cool because you can make a lot of transformational change in, in the midst of, a, of, of an identity crisis.
1: Yeah. I, I think you see that just in the innovation space and technology across the board, like whenever something worldwide like this happens or the economy collapses or something big changes, a lot of stuff sprouts out of it. And I think it's because like another thing to pull from your book, but creating that space and time to really think, be aware, focus, focus, now we actually have time for that rather than kind of being stuck in that rat race of, okay, I check in, I check out, I got to put an extra hour so I look good, but am I actually getting results? I think the world's shifting away from that. And personally, I'm pretty excited to see that because I, I don't think that's the way we should work. Like it's really not about total hours. It's about what you can achieve during those hours and how happy you are.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I, I, like, I like this perspective. Look in your bank account and you'll see the amount of impact that you've had in the world mm-hmm. okay and i think when we look at our business results i think we can see the same thing look in, looking the you know in in the retained earnings or look in the look in the profitability and you'll see the kind of impact that you're making in the world and i know that and, and I, I shared this with you before we jumped on but my, my first full year in business for myself, I exceeded any income that I made in executive, as an executive in companies. Mm-hmm. I'm having a greater impact on my own than I did as a corporation. So naturally, I'm going to create more value within my, within my, uh, my bank and within my checking account. That's just the nature of the game. And I'm doing it with a whole lot less hours because the hours that I'm spending are more impactful than the hours I used to spend before. So it's not about clocking in and clocking out. It's the, the effective use of the hours you're spending generating value for other people. And in return, they take care of you because they, they want sustained results over a long period of time.
1: Yeah, and I think, so this is an assumption, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of the reason you're able to achieve that success so quickly in the first year was You got past that imposter syndrome. Like, if you tried to do your own thing and you totally had that in your mind still, and you were working for other people, I don't know if it would have worked as well, right?
0: Well, I think I think my journey. There's there's no journey that'll grow you more than an entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. So it's it's a lot more frightening and fearful starting a business on your own where you're where there's no brand in front of you. You are. I mean, my my company is Mike Kitco, LLC. So, so that is it, right? I am my brand and I am, I, I run the awakened alpha project, which is, you know, a project that I'm working on, but my company is my Kitco LLC. So when, when, when I invoice, I invoice as myself, you are directly paying me for the value that I provide you. And, and when I started in my coaching business, that was a frightening prospect that I'm sitting across from the table and I'm negotiating not on behalf of my organization but me and I'm telling you that what I promise you I'm going to deliver not I didn't have a team not us me yeah and it's up to me and there's no there's no journey in my mind that'll grow you as much as an entrepreneurial journey because you are completely exposed right they will figure out who you are and if you say you you're, you're somebody else It'll get exposed. Mm-hmm. So the imposter syndrome is about, you know, the the overcoming the imposter syndrome and, and inadequacy and insecurity and ins, insignificance is about transparency. It's about being open and honest. And one of the most impactful things that, that I put in the in the uh, in the imposter in charge is for sixteen plus years I physically, mentally, emotionally, and sometimes sexually abused my wife. Right? We were in toxic hell. Now, when you lead with that with a client, they know you're going to be straight up with them. I don't have anything to hide. I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm going to tell you if I can. I'm going to tell you if I can't. And I'm going to tell you if I don't want to. Because that, there's, there's no reason for me to hide anything from anyone at this point. So when you're starting an entrepreneurial venture and you dedicate, and you commit to yourself, you're going to be transparent. Like my first client, I told him, you're my first client. You're my first one. I've never done this before. You're going to be my first experience. So I'm going to price you really low because I don't know what you're going to get. We're going to see it together, And they get excited about that. But if I would have said, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years. That's the imposter syndrome. I've been yep. doing this for 20 years. I guarantee results. I'm awesome. I'm a pro. I'm going to feel like a fraud. How can you not feel like a fraud when you're telling people lies? So when you're honest, when you're truthful, tell them exactly where you are. Then there's no surprises, and you don't have anything that you don't have to worry about, like secrets being revealed.
1: Yeah, I, I think I agree with that totally. I think the challenge there for a lot of people is just being able to be vulnerable up front, particularly with a stranger, right? And that really comes down to your self awareness and your self confidence, and being comfortable enough to really open up. And, and one, and I, and I'll
0: add one more self in there: self worth. Yeah. Self worth. Right. So uh, I'll tell you that, you know, you and I have now we've met virtually. I'll tell you that I see you as an equal human being to me. Your title doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The fact that if you're a customer or if you're an employee or if you're a boss, I, I don't I don't really care. We're equally valuable. And there's, you might have a different title and different set of job responsibilities and and, and authorities, but I am not going to diminish myself for any any other human being. I did it for 43 years and I'm never going to do it again. I I mean, I've sat across the table from someone who was paying me and they thought that gave them the ability to push me around. It's like, you don't understand. I'll refund you and I'll walk out and leave you with your problem. I don't have a problem with that. You want your problem fixed or do you want to like try to diminish me? Which one do you want? Because I'm not going to play your game.
1: Yeah. So you're totally right. If you didn't have that level of, of self-worth, it's pretty easy to kind of just almost cower there. Right. And just say, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And hide yeah, and hide and
0: keep secrets.
1: So if you feel like you
0: have to show up differently than you are at a different level than you are Mm -hmm. and hide, keep secrets, um, you know, expound on reality, then, then you're just suffering from lack of self-worth. You're feeling like you're not enough at this moment. And, and you are. You, yep. just to, you just need to be honest and forthright with yourself and everybody will accept you that way. Mm-hmm. Right? But we, we're yep. all running around trying to pretend that we're we're perfect and, and everyone's screwed up just in their own unique way.
1: Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's even kind of exacerbated a bit by just social media and the way the world is right now and everyone putting this fake best self out there, right? So sure. if you're growing up and you see that, you think, oh man, I'm not traveling anywhere. I'm not flashing all this money. I'm not living a life like I see. So yeah, I, I think there is going to be that continued struggle for people to get comfortable and have that self-worth when they're seeing all of this out there, right? So I'm curious if you run into that with, like you work with executives and, and usually senior leaders with a lot of experience. Do you still run into that, that issue at that level? Absolutely.
0: More, more there than anywhere
1: else. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yes. So, so I've had I've had in in a, in a meeting, especially when I'm talking about a team that's dysfunctional, that they understand that they have issues in alignment on a team. You know, and, and I make sure they understand. Look, in this meeting, there are no titles, and there are mm-hmm. no there's no hierarchy. We're all equals here, right? We're playing on my rules. They hired me, so we're playing on my rules. And we're all equals and there is no hierarchy. So everyone here is, and I sometimes I use language that isn't so, that's a little more colorful, but everyone here has flaws. Everyone here screwed up. Everyone has made mistakes. Everyone here has bills at home. Everyone has things that, at home that's broken, that they want to have fixed, we're all equals, we're, we all have our flaws and our, our, our things that we can, you know, that are challenges in our life. So let's pretend, let, let's, let's not pretend that we're, we have it all figured out in any way, shape or form. Let's start from there, acknowledging that we've all screwed up in some way, we, we're all flawed and it's okay to be that. And then I had a leader one time just break down and cry because she, She had tried her whole life and she was, she was the owner of the business. She had tried the whole time that that she was building this business to try to portray herself as perfect. And she was holding the rest of the team back because now they're trying to be perfect because that's what they thought they had to be to please her. And then the team started rallying around her and then everybody like crying ugly crying together. It was beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, after that fact, they were obviously a lot closer would probably go to bat a lot harder for her as well. And yeah. it, it really builds that connection when you can say, yeah, I'm not perfect. I messed up. I don't know the answer to this. Like just those type of statements help a lot. I think.
0: It, shooting for perfection and, and thinking you have to be perfect all the time is ultimately going to take, like, it's going it, to, it's going to start to, to beat down on your integrity. You're, yeah, going to start, you're going to start playing games and you're going to shrink and you're going to hide in some way, shape or form. And there's no profitability when everyone's living out of integrity.
1: Well, and honestly, it's just exhausting to try to keep that up as well. Right? Like it's, it's hard. Yeah. And, and, and you,
0: you know, when, when, when people are lying to each other, you're just not getting the best out of everyone. It's just better to have a, a you know, a, a completely um, transparent workforce where mistakes where flaws, where, you know, imperfections are, are rewarded and justified, right? And, and mm-hmm. excited and cheer, cheer-led because it gives you an opportunity to, to, uh, to grow as a team.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, Mike, I think one last question I want to ask, and it does kind of tie it back to, to the current scenario in the world and the whole COVID-19 and transition mm-hmm. side. Has the type of kind of problems and issues you've been working on executives with changed a lot during this time? Or is it still mostly the same problems, but maybe just magnified a bit?
0: Mostly the same problems with individually. So I yep. I have a, a mastermind, I have private clients, one-on-one clients, I have a membership, I do business consulting, I'm a speaker as well. So there's a lot of different avenues to share the message. In my private client relationships, exactly the same. But in my business coaching and consulting practice completely different so where you know i work with a medical supplier and covid-19 it's almost like ramping up for the, the next generation and they know they know what the next generation looks like mm-hmm. they understand the needs are, that are going to be met in the next generation because it's unfolding right now and it's pretty pretty clear so yeah. it's been it went from okay let's build this strategy to covid-19 Boom! Game changer. Accelerate everything. Invest, invest, invest. Because we're about to like we're about to completely transform this business.
1: Yeah, yeah. That brings there. It's interesting that dichotomy, right? Like we see that personally in our customer base. So um, as a communication platform, we service everything from hotels to restaurants to healthcare to health tech, and to just see the different kind of journeys that people are going through. The thing I love to see is A lot of our customers, even if their business is struggling a bit, they come to us asking for ways to have that virtual water cooler, how to connect their people, how to make people still feel like they're working together on the same side, even though they're not together. So I love the fact that obviously there's a ton of bad things and a ton of unfortunate things, but the one silver lining of this is, I think it's making people a bit more human and making them want to connect on that personal level. Yeah. So hopefully we all take that away from this and move forward.
0: Listen, I think, I think the world and business, the business in general, business and the world in general would, uh, we'd all benefit if, if people became people instead of just employees, right? We yeah. are all, everyone has problems. There's things going on, going on at home. And when we are allowed to be human and have flaws and, when we can become transparent. Businesses are going to thrive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's when people feel or are going to feel like they can be themselves. And that's the very best that they can give you when they do really give you
1: themselves. Yeah. I think that's actually the perfect way and the perfect message to wrap this up. Mike, thank you so much. I enjoyed that. I got a lot out of that. I think our listeners are as well. Um, can you maybe let our listeners know where, where they can find you to get more information or maybe check out your book
0: yeah, so it's really simple, and, and you can check out the book on the website. So you can get the book on Amazon.com. It's, you know, it's, it's called The Imposter in Charge, but on my website, and it's mikekitko.com, M-I-K-E-K-I-T-K-O.com. And uh, the book's on there, but also I have a membership community. It's called The Awakened Alpha, right? It's about, it's about you know being an alpha-type human being, but with your eyes wide open. And understanding that you have like this humanity that you're working through, and it's not just hiding yourself. So uh, there's a membership, there's a mastermind. I have private coaching as well. Uh, it's a, it's an easy way to access or get in contact with me and and see how we can we can jam together.
1: Awesome, Mike. Thanks so much. I'll include all those links as well. Uh, so for our listeners, you can check the player description. But yeah, again, Mike, thank you, and I'm looking forward to getting this out to our listeners.
0: Thanks, Dustin. I really appreciate
1: your time. Thanks to all the yeah. listeners as well. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of People at Work. If you enjoyed this episode, can you do me one quick favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a five star review? It helps others discover the podcast, and we love reading the reviews. If you haven't already subscribed, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening.